a loving and gracious God, Alpha and Omega, come by here. Open the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart listening that we might be blessed to be a blessing through the hearing and doing of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here with you here at Swarthmore Presbyterian Church. I'm so grateful for the invitation. Uh, I have a couple different hats. So in uh, the hat that I wear as a stated clerk of the Presbytery of Philadelphia, I bring you greetings. <laughs> On behalf of the other hundred plus a dozen or so uh, congregations that make up the Presbytery of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Bucks, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. Uh, our executive presbyter, Ruth Santana Grace, uh, she always begins with grace and peace. And so I pass that on to you as she prepares uh, in the next week or so uh, with her other hat as moderator of the General Assembly to go to Kiribati uh, and uh, the Marshall Islands in Australia. Uh, and I keep that in mind because another clergy colleague is coming back from a trip from Kenya. And I understand uh, that you had the memorial service here yesterday for Reverend Ken Wells. I remember Ken Wells when I was an elder at the Mount Airy Presbyterian Church. And I had gone to one of my first presbytery meetings at the Glading Presbyterian Church, Glading Memorial Presbyterian Church, where Ken was the pastor. And it was a very warm day. There was no air conditioning. And Ken was apologizing as he gave his greetings and I don't know if he himself was from a missionary family or, yes, he was sharing that. Uh, he remembered saying that uh, his family would remind him, be thankful if you feel water running down. Because <laughs> if it's running down, you know it's perspiration. If it's running up, it's ants. I don't live such an exotic life to go to places where I have to worry about that or have trips to the, the Pacific. I don't get much more exotic than a couple days in Cape May. But it doesn't matter so much where you find yourself as much as uh, how mindful and aware you are where God has planted you. Which leads me to my question. Tell me then. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? If that line sounds familiar, it's from a poem called The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. It goes like this. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings wide open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? 
Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I love that poem because it reminds me of the importance of mindfulness. Uh, taking stock of where we are this very moment. I loved your uh, children's sermon, Joyce. I'm so glad that uh, you did it instead of me. But if I were to have done a children's sermon today, it would have been sharing with the young people the importance of being attuned to our breathing. Somewhere along the way, someone taught me about the breath prayer. Think of one word as you inhale and another word as you exhale. For me, it's God cares. God cares. And it has a double meaning. On the one hand, it means trying to take in more of God and blowing out and getting rid of more of my cares. But it's also a reminder that God cares. God cares for and about me. God cares about whatever might be bringing a sigh to my breast at that particular moment. God cares about every other living creature who also has a breath. Because if you think about it, if you ever wonder if God really knows what's going on in your life, focus on your breath. Who gave it to you? Each of us has a breath that came from God and God alone, and we all rely on it. And it's also a great equalizer because each of us has it. So it both reminds us of the ability of being able to be alive and in this moment as a vessel of blessing and also our reliance on the one true living God. God is with and for us individually and collectively. So when I think about that Exodus passage about the burning bush, there are so many things we could focus on. How does a bush burn anyway and not get consumed? Uh, the importance of Moses being attentive. Maybe others had gone right past that bush, but it was Moses who was paying attention and being mindful, and that is what God needed in order to call Moses over. Uh, something we didn't read in this particular passage, but it's important to know about Moses, is that Moses, we are told, had some kind of uh, speech impediment of some kind. It's not specifically listed, but it says he was either slow or thick of tongue. I didn't go back to my Hebrew to remind me which of the two, but bottom line is he didn't think that speaking was his gift, and he even tried to tell God, aren't you sure you don't want to be calling my, my brother and not me? But God said, no, you're the one. You're the one to free your people from their suffering under the hands of the Egyptian pharaoh. So you're the one that's going to go to your people, tell them that God has sent you, and then you're going to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh that God said, let your people go. And after Moses was uh, realizing that God was not going to direct his attention to Aaron, but still use him, he said, now, <laughs> I am thick of speech. If they ask me, who sent me? What should I say? And that's why your focal passage above the sermon is tell them I am who I am. 
I am has sent me to you. That's the verb to be, being. The holy nexus, when the God who brings everything that is alive, alive, and the human who offers every gift that they have to that holy enterprise of kingdom building, that holy nexus makes all things possible. I am who I am. Just picture it. This uh, thick speech Moses telling the people, I just had this experience at the burning bush, and this is what's going to happen. And I can hear them saying, now, who, what put this into your head? And he basically said, I am who I am. Good. Speaking that truth with the assurance of the faith and the hope and saying, hey, what God says will be, will be. Whether through me or some other means, it will happen. There are so many attributes of God. God, the Alpha, the Omega, the Creator, the Comforter, the Healer, the Provider, our Peace, our Purifier, our Righteousness, our Shepherd, our Rock and our Refuge. When I shared this passage with my session on Wednesday as their devotion and as a way for them to help give me some stuff for today sharing with you, <laughs> one of my elders gave me a beautiful nugget. She just graduated with her master's in nonprofit uh, management. And this is as a single mom of not much means who had to put a lot aside to be able to get to that place. And she said, oh yes, God is what God said, who God says uh, God will be. And I'm a witness because when I didn't know how I was gonna pay my bill, God was there. When I was crying, feeling I could not get through this program, God was there for me. God was my comforter. God was my financial manager. God was my late night companion in studying. God will be whatever you need God to be to finish God's plan working through your life. That was her testimony. So this I am who I am, I believe, is a call as Christians to be mindful and attentive to what God is doing in the world and leaning into it, offering our very selves with our unique gifts, experiences, into being co-laborers and building the kingdom of God for such a time and place as this. There are a couple caveats, especially in these days when isolation and the mix of mental uh, health concerns and the readiness of available of guns. There are a lot of folks who think they're hearing what God is telling them to do and acting out on it in ways that are not indeed godly. So one of the important things to remember is what God has already taught us in the scriptures, that God is love. God is love. And also that God calls us through Jesus Christ to focus on the most important commandment, which is loving God and loving neighbor as ourself. So when we're trying to discern what God is calling us to do in our burning bush moments, the first thing we better line it up with is what we already know about God. Is this loving? Is this loving of God? Is it loving of neighbor and loving of self? Which brings us also to our New Testament reading, where it talks about how Jesus 
was the embodiment of God's love in the most visceral and human way, which is entering into and being in solidarity with humans in their time of suffering. How he shared that he was to go to the cross and die and be raised again so that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. And then also inviting his disciples to take up their cross, for us to take up our cross in solidarity with that Good Friday moment. During the time of the pandemic, when we were all locked down, I don't know what you did. I must confess, I spent way too much time on my device, what they call it, doom scrolling, going down many rabbit holes. And after having my fill of watching cat videos or whatever it is that you watch, it was also during that time when I came across the videos about what was happening in the Minneapolis during the time of George Floyd. If you remember, those things happened at the same time. And I had a very deep and visceral Good Friday moment, I call it, at where I was watching this murder take place on the streets and thinking through all of the uh, conditions in the 2020s that would enable this to happen. And my Good Friday moment, when I talk about that, just as I think every Good Friday, we're all called to find ourselves at the foot of the cross around that crowd and ask ourselves the question, what have I done or not done that helped perpetuate the conditions for this innocent God-man to be crucified in my midst and to stay there, speak truth about it long enough and offer that up in confession to Jesus on the cross and hold that gaze long enough to receive the word, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You are forgiven, I know, and I forgive and love you still. See, the other part of the mindfulness is not just offering up our gifts for God to use us as vessels of blessing, but also being willing to speak truth of the things that need to die within each of us that we need to let go of for God to be able to fashion us into vessels of blessing more efficiently and more uh, fully. Or as we did in our uh, prayer of confession, I believe it was, to confess what we have done to become stumbling blocks to God's creation. That's a piece of it as well. We need to remember that we are being called to take the next faithful step in each part of our life in being mindful of being co-laborers in what God is doing. We just had the March on Washington, uh, 2023, the 60 year anniversary. And it was happening the same time, within a day or so, as that mass shooting in Jacksonville. And you begin to wonder, you know, with all of this goodness and people coming together to show 
solidarity with God's work, and yet we still have these shootings. But if you remember, back in the March of Washington in 1963, where Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech, it was only a month later where four young girls were killed in the Birmingham church bombing. 14 injured on top of that. And we were reminded that this enterprise of being in Christ is not a short journey, that the arc of a arc of justice is arc of a moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice, Martin Luther King said. And on his April 3rd, 1968 speech, where he talked about having been to the mountaintop and seeing the promised land that Moses brought his people to. He said, I may not get there with you, but I have seen the promised land. You know what brought Martin Luther King to Memphis? It was a sanitation workers strike in 1968. They were making 65 cents an hour and two of their workers had been killed in unsafe working conditions. And the placards that these sanitation workers had in the strike said, I am a man. I am a man. Friends, one of the things that we uh, treasure in our Presbyterian heritage is the ability to come together, to help each other discern the gifts that we have individually and collectively for this enterprise of uh, being a godly people, for being mindful for what God is calling each of us to do individually and collectively in such a time and place as this. And we come together, we search scriptures together, at our general assemblies we gather and discern together, and we come to this table together, emblematic of the conversations that we have, the vulnerabilities that we share, and the solidarity of the Lamb to offer himself up as in the Passover feast, and the call for each of us to be willing to taste the bitterness until it becomes sweet, so that we can leave this table and go out and be blessings and encourage others to be the same. Thanks be to God.